take your copy of God's Word again this morning, please, and if you would open it to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 15, where we'll kind of pick up here in a few minutes where we left off last week. Life is filled with potential dangers. I'm sure you're aware of that. Take these figures from our own country. These things happen in the United States. Almost 50,000 people are injured each year from pencils, pens, and desk accessories. Think about that. I'm sure you're frightened as I hold this up today. (laughs) Take this, for instance. Uh, One year, more than 400,000 people were injured by chairs, sofas, and sofa beds. And this one's very interesting. 142,000, 142,000 people received emergency room treatment, are you ready for this, from injuries they received from their clothing. They were so hurt by their clothes, they had to go to the emergency room. Life is filled with potential dangers. There's dangers all around us. But those are physical dangers. What about the spiritual dangers that we encounter on a daily basis. I don't have any statistics to share with you concerning them, but rest assured the potential dangers when it comes to our spiritual well-being, the dangers are enormous. And in today's passage, I'm going to give you, from the passage, three dangers that we need to avoid in our spiritual lives. Now, I'm calling today's message Showdown on Jawbone Hill. Showdown on Jawbone Hill. Now, I know that sounds like a cool Western movie, but I'm not talking about John Wayne here. This is all about Samson versus a thousand Philistines. And Samson ends up calling Ramoth Lehi Jawbone Hill. Another interesting story we're going to read today from Samson's life. Now, I should remind you of the setting where we are in the story when it comes to Samson. You were here last week. You remember we studied how Samson went back to uh, see his bride. He took along a goat with him. He's planning on having a good time with his bride. Finds out that she is no longer his bride. In fact, she was given away to um, his best man, if you will. Uh, Her father offers him the younger sister. Samson refuses and decides he's going to get revenge on these Philistines. He goes out and he catches 300 foxes. He ties their tails together. He creates basically 150 units. And um, he has these torches he sets on fire. He lets those foxes go into the fields. And they burn up the fields, the crops, the harvested um, crops, the vineyards, and the olive groves on fire. And in one fell swoop, in a real sense, Samson, he gets his revenge by destroying their economy and also in destroying much of their food supply. And the Philistines were not going to take this lying down. They decide to get Samson back. And that brings us to today's passage where we pick up the story in verse number 9. Uh, so we're in Judges chapter 15, beginning at verse 9. We'll read through the end of the chapter, uh, verse number 20. It says, Now the Philistines went up, encamped in Judah, and deployed themselves against Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? So they answered, We come up to arrest Samson, to do to him 
as he has done to us, we've come to take our revenge. Verse 11 says, Then 3,000 men of Judah, I want you to notice that, 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this that you've done to us? And he said to them, notice this, as they did to me, so I've done to them. But they said to him, here they are, 3,000 men of Judah. We've come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him saying, no, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called the place Ramath-Lehi. Then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You've given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank. And his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called its name in Hakor which is in Lehi to this day, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now, from this passage, I want to give you three dangers to avoid in our spiritual lives. One we're going to learn from the men of Judah, and the other two are going to come from the life of Samson himself. I think the story is pretty straightforward. It's a pretty incredible story, though, to think about what takes place here that Samson kills a thousand Philistines with the fresh jawbone of a donkey. I mean, it's just an incredible thing, uh, to say the least. Now, in all honesty, when we read a story like this, we kind of get to thinking about that so much, especially when you're younger in Sunday school. These are the days you, you like when the Sunday school lesson was open, and you realize you are not in the book of Leviticus, and you were not studying the Ten Commandments, but you were studying this story about Samson. And you're sitting there as a kid or as a teenager. And by the way, I sat there all those years too. Um, and, and you're there and Sunday after Sunday. And man, you, it's about Samson. And you're thinking there as you're kind of kicking back. And you're thinking, what if I could do that? Jawbone. That'd be kind of cool. Killing people with a jawbone. And we get to thinking about that sort of stuff. We think, well, how did that work? And, and you know, do you think the teeth were still in the jawbone? And do you, you know, how did all this work? And we get to thinking along those lines and we get totally kind of caught up with that and we seem to forget that there's more to the story and it's not just a cool story we think about a jawbone of a donkey. 
But there are lessons that God is giving us here. There's a reason He recorded this, and we may lose the bigger picture. And so there are three dangers that I want to share with you from this passage. Number one, we learn this from the men of Judah. We learn about the danger of complacency. The danger of complacency. It comes to us courtesy of the 3,000 men of Judah, and it's a sad scene. Now, the Philistines come up and they encamp in Judah, and it seems they startled the men of Judah. They were not happy, obviously, when they see the Philistines coming their way. In fact, look back at verse 10. It says, the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? What's going on? Why are you here? And they answered them, we've come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he's done to us. And at this point in the story, the men of Judah have a decision to make. And the decision is simply this. What are we going to do with Samson? Are we going to defend him? Are we going to join him? Are we going to hand him over? What are we going to do with Samson? I want you to know, beloved, when it comes to the whole idea of complacency, when it comes to the idea of living in our lives, there are some points in our lives that are monumental. And there are decisions we have to make that are monumental that can literally alter the course of our lives in many ways. And here is an opportunity for the men of Judah to get it right. But in reality, I think they get it wrong. In fact, it says in verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom. Do you think maybe they respected Samson or maybe were fearful of Samson? 3,000 of them go down and they say, I want you to notice what they say to Samson in verse number 11. Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? Don't you understand how this works, Samson? Don't you know that they're over us? We're submitting to them. It says, what is this you've done to us? Samson, look where you put us. Look what you put us in here in the situation. And Samson, in his own way, just says, as he, we would expect him to say, as they did to me, I did to them. Samson, what have you done to us? Don't you know the Philistines rule? You're making things hard. It reminds me of, of, of Israel when Moses went to Pharaoh to bring them out. Do you remember the story? And he let my people go and he goes. And Pharaoh, they actually make things harder on the Israelites there for a time. And they turn against Moses. Like, why would you do this to us? You know, they turn against him. Here he is, the deliverer. And yet they turn against him, the crowd against him. The men of Judah here in this passage, it seems they want peace more than they want freedom. They've surrendered completely. They're dominated by their enemy. They're just kind of taking it. They're just complacent. You remember now, we, we know the story that Samson was raised up by God and he was made a judge and he was made a Nazarite and he was to begin to deliver God's people. We don't think they even cried out for deliverance, but God in His grace and mercy, He sent a deliverer and yet when the deliverer shows up, what do they do? They're complacent. In other words, don't make waves, Samson. Don't cause us any hardship, Samson. Don't make things worse, Samson. Why would you do this, Samson? I mean, here's Samson. God's man, God's judge. Do they rally behind him? No. Do they say, Samson, would you lead us in the battle against the Philistines? No. No. I think the next verse says it all. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, They said to him, We've come down to arrest you. And not only arrest you, we're going to deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. 
And it's interesting because Samson then makes them swear that they're not going to kill him themselves. Ray Pritchard had something interesting to say here. He said three simple words tell us the story. In verse 10, we have intimidation. The Israelites were scared to death of the Philistines. They were so frightened that they approached Samson asking him to surrender. So you have intimidation in verse 10. In verse 11, you have accommodation. They were too accustomed to the status quo. They said, we, li- we like having the pagans rule over us. We're scared of what they'll do to us if you upset the apple cart. And so you have accommodation there in verse 11. And in verse 12, you have the inevitable result of intimidation and accommodation. Are you ready for it? It's cooperation. Cooperation. This is one of the saddest verses in the whole story. They said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you to the Philistines. We who are supposed to be your friends have come to hand you over to the Philistines. The danger of complacency. You find yourself where you're intimidated and then you begin to accommodate and then you begin to cooperate just to go along. And upon securing a promise from them that they would not kill him themselves, he allows them to bind him with two ropes and to deliver him to the Philistines. The danger of complacency. Just accept and live in defeat. Just let the enemy conquer you. How many Christians live this way? I want you to think about it for a moment. How many Christians are living like this? Their spiritual lives are weak. They're anemic. They're, they're just dominated and defeated by some besetting sin. They have no victory. They just continue on day after day. Others, they live their lives with no spiritual witness because they're afraid. They're afraid that they don't want to cause any waves. They want to bring any attention to the fact that they are a Christian. They don't want anybody to know that they're different. They don't want anybody to know they're a follower of Jesus. The whole idea is, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. But right now I'm just going to blend in. I'm just going to lay low. I'm just going to go with the flow. Don't do anything to disturb. Don't don't disagree with anybody. Just keep it to yourself. Don't share your faith. Don't live out your faith. Just kind of blend in. Just go along. Just kind of ride under the radar. I'm going to heaven. Not taking anybody with me. Not standing for Jesus. Not going to make a difference for eternity. I'm just going to kind of ride below the radar. Complacent. In fact, if somebody comes along and they begin to kind of shine the light on me or call attention to the fact that I, that I am a Christian and they begin to kind of make things kind of get stirred up and, and the light kind of comes towards me, get rid of them, quiet them. Uh, just label them a fanatic. You know, you know, I, you know I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm not like them, though. I, I don't go along with them. A deliverers here, get rid of them. Reminds me of the way the people treated the great deliverer, the Lord Jesus Himself. He didn't fit the status quo. He, he was labeled a troublemaker. What did they say about Him? Crucify Him. Get rid of Him. Get rid of Him! He's messing up our religion. He's messing up our tradition. He's messing up our authority. He's messing up the way things are. Get rid of Him. Think about your life, beloved. Has your Christianity cooled to the point to where you've grown complacent? Has your Christianity gotten to the point where you accept things you had never accepted before? You allow things in your life you never would have before. You just go along. 
And you just kind of ride along under the radar screen. You just kind of go with the flow. You don't cause any waves. You don't say anything. You don't disagree with anything. You don't stand for truth. You don't tell the truth about what the Gospel says, what the Bible says, what Jesus wants you to do. You don't cause any discomfort. Everything's just smooth sailing for you because you're not willing to literally stand up for Jesus and let your light shine for Jesus. Complacent. I'm going to heaven. Can't wait. I'm not going to tell anybody else about it. I'm not going to let it impact my life too much. Oh, the danger of complacency. Think about it. They would rather remain under the Philistines than to follow the deliverer, to, to ask Samson to help them. The danger of complacency. Are you there? There's a second danger. The next two come from Samson. You know, I told you last week, someone pointed out that Samson's kind of the example of everything we're not to be when it comes to Christian service. And I think we see the danger of pride in Samson's life. The Bible says in verse number 14 that the Spirit of God came upon Samson. And again, when the Spirit of God came upon Samson, it empowered him to kill these Philistines. Now you remember that he's a judge. And he's been given to help deliver God's people from these enemies of God, the uncircumcised, ungodly, pagan Philistines. And... Um, when the battle's done, and by the way, it is a very interesting thing, and, and I would like to have been a fly on the wall, to be honest with you, and, and see this. Well, maybe, maybe not, but it would be interesting to watch nonetheless how this man takes the jawbone of a recently dead donkey and he begins to kill these Philistines and he kills a thousand of them. I mean, he didn't have a bazooka. He didn't have like a gun. He's got a donkey's jawbone. When the battle's done and there's a heap, a mass of Philistines, a thousand of them lying dead, what does Samson do? Well, look at verses 16 and 17. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I want you to notice the next three words, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called the place Ramath-Lehi or Jawbone Hill. Now I battled this a bit as I thought about this. It was Cyril Barber who said God is kinder to Samson than his critics. God is kinder to Samson than his critics. And I thought about this. I said, you know, Rodney, you're being too hard on Samson here. But when I waited out and I kept looking at his life, I got to thinking about what should Samson have said? What should have been the first words out of Samson's mouth? I mean, he's standing there. He's got this bloody jawbone. There's a thousand dead Philistines there. He throws that jawbones, uh, that donkey's jawbone down. What should be the first thing he should say? I think the first thing that he should have said and the first things out of his mouth should have been praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for the mighty victory that he was just given. Because it wasn't Samson that in his own might did this. It says the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and God empowered him to do this. 
It should have been Thanksgiving. But Samson, you know, loves riddles. He loves catchy phrases. He likes to say these things. He, he seems to praise himself. I have slain a thousand men. In fact, listen to what, what Block said. Block said it this way. Samson memorializes his achievement by renaming the place where it happened as Ramath Lehi, Jawbone Hill. Since military action frequently occurred on hilltops, the reader might conclude that Samson is hereby naming the geographical site of the victory. That seems not to have been the issue here. Jawbone Hill apparently refers to the mound he had built with the corpses of the Philistines. Samson does not want to be forgotten. I don't know if he's right or not, but it's not so much the place, it's the mound of bodies. Look what I've done. I've killed a thousand men. Man, you've got a macho man. Look at me. I killed a thousand. Jawbone Hill. When they think about that, they're going to think about me. How easily pride can come into our lives. God enables us to live. God enables us to move. God enables us to breathe. The fact that we're alive this second is because of the grace and the mercy and the gift of God. And we have the audacity to take credit for what God does through our lives. The danger of pride is so evident here in this story and it's so uh, dangerous in our own lives. We've got to hurry to the third one. And it kind of ties in with this one. And it's the danger of self-sufficiency. Samson seems to be a self-assured man. Have you noticed when it comes to Samson, he does everything alone? He fights alone. He doesn't lead an army. He doesn't rally the troops like other judges did. He just does it himself, or so he thinks. Thankfully, God has a way of reminding us that we are not self-sufficient. Because of the love that He has for us, sometimes He reminds us that we are not self-sufficient. That actually we are totally, absolutely dependent upon Him. And by the way, He does this with Samson. What was it? Now I want you to think about Samson. There he is. His long locks of hair Standing there, victorious, jawbone hill. He's killed a thousand men. What was it that brought mighty Samson to desperation? One word, thirst. 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 The need of water. In fact, it brings us to the first of only two prayers that we have recorded by Samson in the Scripture. Would you notice there verse number 18? Then he became very thirsty. Well, that makes sense. I don't know how long it would take to kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, but I imagine it would be very taxing. I imagine it would be exhausting. I imagine you would be feeling like you are about to die of thirst. He became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You, now finally, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? He finally acknowledges that God is the one who gave the deliverance. Now his request is worded interestingly 
I'm not going to comment on it as much as I, I've been kind of working through that the way he asked it. But let's just suffice it to say that God, in His gracious mercy, He gives the answer, He gives water, and He continues Samson's life and work. It says in verses 19 and 20, God split the hollow place that is in Lehi. Water came out and he drank. His spirit returned. He revived. Therefore, he called its name en Hikor. By the way, that, that means the spring of the caller. That is the spring of the one who asked. The spring of the caller, which is in Lehi to this day. And then verse 20 says, And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Again, we see the graciousness of God as he continues to use Samson, despite Samson's failures, despite Samson's hang-ups, and despite Samson's sin. And by the way, God does the same with us. God continues to bless us and use us despite our hang-ups, despite our failures, despite our sin. That's how good he is. That's how gracious he is. But thank God he brings us to points in our life where we realize that we are not self-sufficient. We're totally dependent upon God. And when He brings us to that point where we're down on our knees and we have nothing else we can do but cry out to Him, that is an act of mercy from Almighty God to remind us that He is God alone and we are not. Now I want to ask you in closing today, what about these three dangers? And what about your life? What about complacency? Where are you in your spiritual journey? How is your spiritual health today? Are you just kind of going along? Just kind of flying under the radar? Just kind of not making any waves? Not calling any attention? I'm going to heaven, can't wait. Not going to mention anybody else. Not going to get anybody else to come with me. Not going to stand or say anything or disagree or cause waves or do anything that would cause any discomfort or pain. I'm just going to be complacent. What about the danger of pride? God has blessed you. God has been gracious to you. And, and yet, in all honesty, you can very easily, and I can very easily begin to think, well, look at what I've done and look at what I've accomplished and look at what I have and forget that it's the very grace of God that I'm standing and breathing today. And then what about the danger of self-sufficiency? You think you've got it all together? You think you can handle it? You know, one of the signs of self-sufficiency, if you're curious, if you want to check yourself for it, is a lack of prayer. Not praying is a sign of self-sufficiency. Not praying says I can handle things in life. Not praying says, God, I've got this. I don't need your help. You see, prayer is a declaration of dependency. Prayer says I'm not sufficient. Prayer says I'm not wise enough. Prayer says I can't figure it out. Prayer says, God, I need your help. How about it today? If you find yourself in any of those areas, complacency, pride, self-sufficiency, here's the good news, Christian. There's mercy there's deliverance, there's forgiveness, and it's yours today for the asking. I'm so grateful as I study the lesson to see how gracious God is to Samson. Even after this great victory that he gave Samson, and Samson seems to be standing there saying, I've killed a thousand. God says, hey, 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 hey. Don't forget, you're totally dependent upon me. 
as he's there about to die of thirst. And he cries out to God. And God says, yes, I'll give it to you. What's God saying to you today? Let's bow together and just take a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to speak to my heart. You talk to Him. Then we'll sing a verse of, scripture, a, verse of a song. And then we'll head out today. What's God saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit put His finger on your life today? Would you be submissive? Would you talk to Him about it? Would you get it right? Father, I can't help but think of the song we sometimes sing. Lord, I need You. Oh, I need You. Every hour I need You. Really, Lord, we could redo that song and say every second we need You. We cannot make it without You. Deliver us from these dangers, Lord, of growing complacent in our Christian life, of being filled with pride and arrogance, of being full of ourselves and thinking that we're sufficient. But may we find our total dependence and faith and trust and rest in You. Thank You, Lord, for how gracious You were to Samson and how gracious You are to us. Help us to take these lessons, to learn them, and allow You to continue to change us and mold us and change us to be more like the Lord Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. We'll just sing one verse this morning. 659. Lead on, O King Eternal. The day of March has come. Henceforth, in fields of conquest. And it goes on from there. The altar is open today if you need to come and pray. If we can pray with you. We would love to do that with you. But let's stand together. We'll sing just verse 1. 659, lead on, O King Eternal. Let's stand and sing. Have a great week in the Lord, all right?